Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to the ESPN Footy Podcast, the yet another off-season special. I'm Matt Walsh and I'm joined as always by Jake Michaels. Jake, Boxing Day for AFL fans, uh, where you're sort of taking stock of what you got on Christmas, sorting through the bits and pieces and uh, looking forward to another year. Yeah, I don't get much for Christmas anymore. I think once you kind of turn 20-ish, you don't really get much. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So I think maybe... You need to start getting more invested in the AFL draft. It's, Maybe. Uh, and, but as a Carlton fan, we, you don't really get much for Christmas either or, or your Boxing Day because <laughs> we only got we only had one pick, one live pick. Uh, anyway, good, uh, good to be here for the last episode of the year. Uh, good start to the podcast from you. Uh, and here to help break us down the AFL draft is OG panel member, champion Data's Christian Jolly. Christian, great to have you back on the podcast after a few weeks off, you had some leave earlier uh, in the year, just uh, between the grand final and the off-season stuff. Uh, how was that? Yeah, always, uh, always sort of take my leave late October um, around my birthday, which was grand final week last year. But yeah, it's usually <laughs> one of the rare times you can sort of have a bit of a break because yeah, because the draft is coming up late November, um, and yeah, we do a lot of off-season off-season training, which sort of runs through, and looking forward to AFLW, which is you know first week of January. So um, Straight back into it. No, doesn't stop, doesn't stop, does it? Uh, before we crack in, lads, to another big episode, let's bring back this little mini segment. Something interesting or quirky you noticed from draft night or the draft nights, Jake? Oh, well, there were a few things I noticed, but the, but it has to be the delay of the um, the actual broadcast. So when players were getting selected, they looked like they were really disappointed to go to the club that was calling them out, but they were just they were watching on the on delay on the screen on on KO or uh, and they were reacting about ten seconds after we could hear their name getting called out. And I just thought it was like you kind of had to laugh at the whole situation, but it was a pretty bad look. It's like the moment that'll be shown, you know, particularly with number one pick uh, Horn, Jason Horn Francis. Like it's the moment that will be shown and remembered. And his name gets called out and he's just kind of sitting there. <laughs> and I, your first reaction was, gee, he really doesn't want to go to North Melbourne. <laughs> the, um, it's, it's interesting because like you are watching these guys and they've got their family all around them on the couch or whatever. And, you know, it's this really poor internet connection. So there's obviously going to be a delay, but to sort of see these guys and you can kind of see that they're, they're, they're watching, they're hoping, they're waiting. And because they're, they've got that sort of attitude behind them, they've got like this, this half open mouth, like, fly catching gape just thinking oh when is my name going to be called out and you hear it on the broadcast but they don't hear it for another two or three seconds and it takes another two or three seconds for their feed to get back to the broadcaster and all of a sudden they're just sort of looking aghast that they've been drafted to this football club um it's quite interesting christian you said that uh you reckon there were some that were on like massive delays because of some of the connections they had yeah it seemed like yeah as jake just said seemed like some of them yeah were the five seconds behind and then some of them you're like well, you must be watching on it you know a ko or some some other live stream that's another five seconds behind sometimes some dodgy and, uh, uh, yeah they, yeah some of them yeah as you said that you had that awkward 10 seconds of okay when's he gonna actually hear, hear what we just heard but um yeah one of the things i noticed a couple of things i noticed west coast uh you know don't mind a live trade myself um on draft night but West Coast traded up um, in, you know, early 60s. They traded with Port and they traded out their fourth round pick next year um, and took a very good player, I think, in Greg Clark, mature age player, premiership, I think, you know, stand-in premiership captain uh, in the waffle this year. But uh, they moved up three or four picks to get him. 
Uh, and then the two clubs that they moved ahead of both passed, which left West Coast with another pick. So they ended up passing. So I don't know if West Coast were onto something and knew that I think it was Essendon, St Kilda, yeah. uh, might have been one other club in there, Frio, that might have been interested in him and they needed to move up ahead of him. Or if they just wasted their fourth round of next year to uh, bring in, as I said, a play they could have got in three picks time if everyone had a pass like they did on the night. But as I said, I'm not sure about the, the intel they might have received before passing. You mentioned Essendon and St Kilda, both probably looking for for experienced key defenders at some point as well. So the the Eagles might have got a little nervous and thought, well, just to be safe, we might we might yeah. try and slide. They, ahead I mean, and... they probably don't even use that fourth fourth round pick. Next year, anyway. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, see, yeah, is, just see like a minimal move up. But just another quick one I noticed was yeah, sort of a, an interview bomb. Um, obviously Fox as speaking yes. about putting cameras in the houses, and obviously you know Fox know whose whose camera is going to the house. So all of those kids as well. I feel a little bit. I mean, they're all they're all guns, and they're all probably guaranteed to be, get picked. But yeah. imagine putting a camera in your house and then not getting picked and thinking, well, I got pumped up thinking I was. But um, who was it? It was uh, Sam Butler. No, well, Sam Butler with his brother, but no, I think it was uh, Tyler Sonsi and uh, Connor McDonald. Yes, uh, but the they, went, they were talking to Tyler, who was two picks after Connor McDonald. He mentioned something about Connor, and it wasn't like Tom Morrison, the host of Fox, realised, oh, we've got another draftee here, and it turned into a double interview. But, yeah, it was quite funny, just sort of, um, yeah, they obviously hadn't got in, Fox hadn't got in contact with Connor McDonald to find out what he was doing draft night, but he was there for an interview anyway. Or maybe he said he was going to be out and wasn't available and, and it just turns out he was at Tyler's place. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I found I found the Sam Butler one interesting because he mentioned that um, his brother was there, Dan, and then they sort of he sort of panned to him and he had a beer in his hand. I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to end well because uh, you just never know what's going to happen when, when there's a bit of alcohol involved and, and players have been celebrating and you might have been waiting a few picks for your name to get read out. But um, it's, it's sort of funny how these players, how their media training, you could just tell it just kicks in like that. Because um, as soon as Dan was given given the phone, I was, I was ready for a big slip up. But he got on, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm really pumped. You know, he offers this, this and this. And I was just like, oh, that's a bit boring, isn't it? Um, something I noticed, um, I'm still waiting for one of these pundits to turn around one day and just be like, you know what? That pick doesn't, doesn't it's, not, it's not a good pick. Because I reckon every second pick or the words, literally the words, I really like this pick was, was uttered by at least yeah. one of the experts on one of the panels um, throughout the entire draft. No one's got the bollocks to say that such and such, you know what? I don't see it. I just, not one of these players, no one can just, someone could just say, yeah, I don't know. Just don't see what everyone else likes about him or he's really slow or he's not, he's a terrible <laughs> kick for goal. <laughs> There's nothing that they say that's negative. And I understand, you know, we're in this space now with um, looking after mental health, especially young kids just coming into, but, the end of the day, we're analyzing players, you know, for a professional sport, there's got to be some, like some, some sort of, um, uh, you know what I was saying to you guys before, it just reminds me of the Melbourne cup or any kind of horse race for that matter, where they, the commentary will make a case why every single horse can win it. And whoever wins it a hundred to one shot will win. And they'll, and they'll, and then they'll turn around and say, oh yeah, well, this one's, this one's been in great form. It's been winning. It looked good in the yard. And it's just like, well, they can't, they're not all good. <laughs> um, yeah. At the very least, Jake, you know what I'd like? I'd like for them to get the uh, the thesaurus out and just use some some different wordings for this sort of stuff. Because um, I just found it funny. If you're playing a drinking game and, and you were taking a drink every time someone said, I really like this pick, you would have had a, a fair old Thursday night uh, last night. That's for sure. Um, yep. Guys, uh, like I said, rookie draft still to come, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, but uh, the main stuff is over for now. So we're going to get into a little bit of analysis, but we do have Chris Dory's 
Um, full draft breakdown available on espn.com.au forward slash AFL. He's painstakingly over many, many hours gone through uh, every single pick and uh, delivered his, well, I guess his his uh, score, his A through to F score for every club and, and what their draftees are going to bring to the table. So um, if you've got a fair few minutes, maybe five to 10, because it is pretty, pretty lengthy and very, very comprehensive as always, uh, espn.com.au forward slash AFL for that. Yeah, uh, he, was Jets. Up, he was up all night doing that one. So, uh, and he's given everyone a letter grade. So yep. yeah, it's it's a very good read if, you, if you're interest, interested to see how your club went. Absolutely. Uh, guys, first thing we'll, we'll get into, I, I don't like the term winners and losers. I think it's um, it's a bit overblown in, in well, just about any media, but which team would have come out of the draft feeling the best about themselves? Because there'd be some that would have gone, you know what, we've got high hopes, but we've just blown it out of the park with, with, with this draft. Christian, do you have a, an early nomination for a club that would be pretty happy with where they sit going into 2022? Uh, well... I've got a main club, but first off, I'll say North Melbourne. You're going to always be happy with the number one player in the country. So how can they not be the winner? But now Hawthorne. And again, probably a lot of the focus was on Hawthorne turning back to the draft this year. Uh, We know they might have even wanted to trade even further up, um, you know, some of the players that were on offer during trade period. But what they've come away with on the night, um, yeah, four four sort of um, very, you know, very good picks um, and very sort of, yeah, players you can see fitting into that team straight away in terms of, you know, hard-running midfielders. Um, Sam Butler, who's, you know, Dan Butler's brother, who's a sort of a mid-forward type, you know, um, clearance winner and goal kicker. And then they've sort of got a project player in Jai Sarong, Caleb's uh, younger brother, who's a bit of a taller utility type. But again, yeah, they've gone back to the draft for, you know, first time in a long time. And I think they'd, they'd be walking away pretty happy with their haul. Mm, Josh Water, I think at seven, was a, was a really was fortunate to almost be there at that point. Um, Butler, as you say, a bit of X factor. The thing that stands out to me about this Hawks draft is they've gone away from their, their list at the moment is, is and I use this term a little bit, Jake is a little bit vanilla. You, you don't sort of see this sort of X factor across too many lines with the Hawks. So I'm really glad they've got uh, a player like Butler in who, who might be able to provide a bit of that. Um, McDonald, as you say, um, I think there are some clubs that were, were, were looking to draft him in, in the picks straight after the Hawks and, and they just managed to get in front there. And, and Sarong, as, as you said, Christian, I'm sure the, the Dockers would have been looking to try and reunite um, Giant and, and Caleb. So they probably got in ahead of a few clubs in some of these picks and, and they must be happy with the way that they've walked away with this. Jake? The two midfielders, sorry, sorry the two midfielders that they got in, Ward and McDonald, again, are both really high up in the 2K time trial, which is, you know, endurance running sort of event, which we talked about sort of mm. in the pod earlier this year, how the younger kids, Sam Walsh, um, Zach Butters and that are really, really good runners. So these two Hawthorne midfielders are yeah, the prototypical modern-day midfielder in terms of ball magnets, but can also cover a lot of the field. Jake, hey, it, hey, it was a great draft for the Hawks, and um, it was without Alistair Clarkson. So, tell you what, they've, they've started <laughs> you off Clark over <laughs> the new Obviously. era. Started. We can't off go one well, episode. We can't go one episode without you. Well, did he? Alistair did Clarkson. he have a good? Did Clark have a good draft in the last fifteen years? <laughs> He's living in your head, red free, Jake. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go the Giants. I think the Giants have actually, speaking of, of clubs and drafting in recent history, they, the Giants, are, they draft well. I know we criticize GWS for certain things, but they have drafted well. Um, and I had another great draft. Three picks, three really good picks as well. Finn Callahan, Lee Kalir, and Josh Fahey, three different players, three players that Chris Dory was really high on throughout mm. the year. Alir in particular had him had him really quite high up in his power rankings, which is not never an indication of where they might go in the draft, but he was really strong on him in the back back half mm. of the year and what he his potential upside could be. Yeah, so I think three players that that can certainly contribute um, 
and just a bit more a bit more depth. You know, we we've always spoken about it since the club's inception, really, that they they've got all this talent that keeps disappearing, but they do seem to continue to replenish the the talent pool. Um, and three three really nice players um, that have come in this year with their three picks only made the three selections, but hey. I take three good picks over six average picks every day of the week. Yep, fair enough. Uh, the Dockers. And this is strange because four picks, four West Australians. And when you say that out loud, you think, well, maybe they've, they've reached for some of these players just to ensure that they can get some, some players from their home state. But you look at the names, Jai Amos, Neil Erasmus, Matthew Johnson, Eric Benning. They would have been stoked that Matthew Johnson was still mm. on the board at 21. Uh, and the fact that he is a local boy, it's just bonus, 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 tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Um, and, and, way- all, and, all, and players, again, most of those players, again, were very high up on, on Chris, Dorr's, Chris Dorry's uh, ratings, um, very high on them. And we'll be able to contribute early. I, I always think that's one of the most underrated things. Players being able to come in and contribute early. You learn, you, you, it just fast tracks your development. Mm. And, and you know what? And, and players of need as well. Like Amos, a, a sort of a, a larger bodied sort of forward is something that the Dockers have kind of craved and, and haven't quite been able to get right over the past few years. Uh, we, we sort of know the midfield talent there is, is already pretty well stocked. Um, and and they add someone in Johnson who's a, who's a bit of a taller midfielder who can sort of break the lines. Um, it just adds another dimension to that team. And the way that they've built the list um, the last couple of years, I, I think under Justin Longmuir has been really impressive. Uh, and it's just an, another tick for them. And, and I can mm. sort of see them almost challenging. Uh, I reckon they could be a six to eight team with, with the way that they've done this. And, and whether or not these guys contribute right away, we know that they're going to be there waiting in the wings. And, and I think it was a really strong draft from them. Just before we, we move on, and we can mention a couple of other winners just before we do move on. But the, the fact that they selected four WA players, this interests me. And it's it might be something born of COVID a little bit, but you sort of wonder with... Um, with the way that things have gone, uh, you reckon there might be a propensity for clubs to sort of say, well, maybe we will look in our backyard a little bit more because West Coast did the same thing. I think their first pick, uh, he wasn't a West Australian in the end, but their they're following three or following four mm. were. So they did something pretty similar. Well, even Long. Geelong, like even Geelong like to pick out of their sort of, out of their out paddock of their patch. as well. And yeah, and yeah I, I think it, there's many factors for, for clubs to do it and not just because of COVID, but I think if anything, COVID's probably, it's, I mean, it's obviously forced everyone to be home more. And, well, and Adam Chera of... wanted to leave because he hadn't seen his family in, in, exactly. in 18 months. Yeah. So maybe there was an element of that, but then there's the flip side and you look at Collingwood and yep, they got the, the father son selection in Nick Dacos, but then a couple of South Australian players. So, mm. you know, you can, you can kind of see that clubs might be just sort of differing on this sort of stuff, um, you know, as the draft approaches and their, and their approach. I know that St Kilda's list manager was criticised for for not going after a local guy and then said, well, we just think that we're going to draft the best players in and, and think that our club culture is going to help yeah. them stay and make them want to stay. So there are clearly, I think, um, sort of different attitudes to this stuff and, and the way that Fremantle has gone about it and the fact they can, they can do an A-plus draft, mm. draft as far as I'm concerned. But it's not, as if, it's not as if the Dockers have got four uh, WA-based players in that are just average. They've got four really good players. That's, yeah. the, that's the difference. So it just so happened. They might have been the highest players regardless of where they were from um, at the time. They've, they've done really well. And the fact that they are WA-based and there's not going to be a, oh, we want to go to, we want to go to uh, the East Coast that's a huge win when you consider mm. the quality of players they've brought in. Uh, any uh, special nominations, Christian, any, any runners up of the winners? 
I mean, I like Essendon's couple of picks as well. I mean, they, you know, they took a, probably the third best midfielder in the draft um, at, you know, pick 11, I think it was. Uh, in the end, after, uh, yeah, pick 13, it ended up being. But, um, yeah, sort of the later two picks just address some needs. So Alistair Lord's a running defender, and we know they've lost Saad and McKenna uh, for various reasons. We know how important Hine was down there. So they had him in, and, yeah, 25-year-old in Garrett McDonough. A um, bit more of a, you know, he's played general defender as well, a bit more of a wingman, but um, yeah, from Richmond VFL. So stealing a little bit of Richmond IP there, which, and we know Essendon have uh, sort of tried to play that game style. So um, yeah, even just what McDonald might have bring from what he's learned at Richmond might help mm. Essendon uh, a little bit too. So I think they've done well with just three minimal picks sort of thing. Uh, just on a bit of a lighter note, Alistair Lord, one of the better names to come out of the draft, but there was a bit of a throwback to some of the previous generations with some of these guys uh, and their names. We got a, we had a Neil that was drafted as well. Um, we had who? What was the other, Arthur. The other name? Arthur. Oh, Arthur. what a what a throwback that is. So um, we've had some we've had some interesting ones. Jake, any other any other clubs worthy of a mention? Uh, I don't think so. We can't mention every club. I mean, no, they're, it's fair. They're, they're not all. As we said at the top, they're not all winners. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I think Collingwood. I was. Were you surprised that Nick Dacos dropped to to four in the end? Mm, it depends. I mean, we were kind of discussing this with uh, Chris, Chris we? uh, yeah. yeah, before, and it's kind of like you know they're gonna it's gonna be matched. Do you bother taking him or do you hold Collingwood accountable and and make them have to? Those I don't know. Points. I just thought that they must be pretty pleased. I, I mean, you'd rather take him at four than at than at two or one. So. Yeah. But yeah, look, I, I I don't think I think we've touched on the main clubs. I think we nailed it. I think Frio, Frio, the Giants, and Hawthorne have done tremendously well. Uh, all right. Well, we might as well move into something a little bit broader. We might look at uh, what each club's first prick pick, not prick. That'd be a, an awkward one to bring to the table. Uh, what each club's first pick brings to the table, and what they can kind of contribute in 2022, and and give you a bit of a comparison to a current player. So. You might have heard the name. You might have seen in, in writing that they're a good rebounding defender. But but who can you kind of look at these these new draftees and say, well, this is who they kind of play like? So, Christian, we might get you to help us out. We might start um, with the Crows. We might go through every club's first pick. Uh, so we might start with the, the Crows who pick Josh Rochelle. So what can you tell us about Josh Rochelle? Yeah, so number one ranked forward in the NAB League this year. So we know NAB League was a shortened competition, uh, the Victorian underage competition. But uh yeah, he still, I think he got his yeah, seven or so games in. Uh, number one ranked forward for ranking points, goals, score involvements. Um, at the under-16 championships in 2019, played as a genuine midfielder, 26 disposals per game. So, yeah, an impact player on the scoreboard or pinch hitting in the midfield can definitely find the ball. Um, interestingly, that the Crows uh, went with their three picks, all players that were 180 centimetres or smaller. So maybe there's a bit of a tactic there. They've got some tall timber um, up forward, especially. So so maybe just adding those complementary smaller players and, and those that can work through the midfield was uh, an interesting uh, an interesting way for them to go about the draft. The Lions uh, secured Darcy Wilmot with pick 16. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, again, um, Victorian kid. So running, running defender, um, halfback sort of. So... Again, we talk about the plays like that. We look at we look at their statistical output across their junior or you know state league careers, um, and it just looks at how you get your stats, what what the breakdown of stats are, and who that most likely is in the AFL. So it's not about getting thirty disposals is like X. It's about well, ten percent of your disposals come from kicks, and you know for all you know, fifteen percent come from loose ball gets in the D fifty and things like that. So it's a big breakdown for Darcy Wilmot. I think yeah, sums it up. Jordan Dawson 
Mason Redman and Bailey Williams from the Bulldogs are his sort of three most comparable players. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, a good ball moving defender that is also, you know, a genuine defender in terms of not, you're not bringing a midfielder and teaching him how to play behind the ball. He, he can defend, but he can also create play. Uh, move on to the Blues and Jesse Motlop was their one selection, Jake, as we mentioned, with a couple of rookie elevations of, of players that were on their list last year. Um, yep. Interestingly, their one selection was part of Frio's Next Gen Academy and Frio couldn't match that bid because he was inside uh, pick 40. So interestingly, I think the, the one that we can, we, something I can take out of this is that had Frio been able to match the bid and they had of, it would have been another WA-based player that they would have mm. taken. So there you go. Uh, the Blues must be pretty happy with Jesse Motlop, though, because he brings to the table, um, you know, some speed. He's the crumbing forward. Um, he's a good size too, Christian. What can you tell us about Jesse? Yeah, again, if, um, you know, we don't we don't cover the NTFL, but I know his his year started there. So I think all up, he's played about thirty full games of footy this year, starting in the NTFL, um, coming up through the Waffle Colts, and ended up in Waffle League. So. Um, yeah, league he had a, a little bit of an impact with a couple of goals here and there, but yeah, eight score involvements per game while playing at the Colts, which was number one in the comp. Um, sort of again playing sort of deep forward, but it being able to go up into the midfield as well. Um, and hit up there, and again, he's comparable players. Um, again, sort of sum him up Mitch Hannon, Lincoln McCarthy, Jamie Cripps. Um, so those types of sort of yeah. Hit up yeah. fours. They don't necessarily, you know, again, don't kick big bags of goals, but have They're crafty around the goal. because, yeah, they can create for other players. Um, Look, it's what Carlton needed. I mean, correct. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, and it's exactly what, you know, Carlton have just lost sort of Eddie Betts with it. They were playing Mitch Gibbons, who was clearly an inside midfielder, but they just needed someone to play forward. Uh, I like, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but I do like him, Owies or Owies, yeah. who again is mm-hmm. coming to rookie lids. Uh, but yeah, Jesse Motlop, that's why he's a chance to be in the team round one because mm. it's a clear need for the Blues and he's already played uh, senior footy over in WA. Do you, do you think some of these guys could make an, an immediate impact? We go back to Rochelle. Do you think he's someone that could be in the frame for, for round one or, or Wilmot could be for the Lions? Yeah, and, and again, I think I've noticed that with the draft in the last few years, again, we talk about how a lot of the recruiters will just take midfielders, big ball winners. Again, national championships are usually on. You take, you know, the five, six biggest ball winners and then you sort of go, well, our midfield's full. Let's put this guy on a half forward flank and turn him into a, a lot of guys, you know, talking about um, Wilmot for Brisbane, uh, Rochelle for Adelaide, uh, you know, even up to Motlot for Carlton. They've all been taken with specific, they've already been developed in this position. You know what you're getting with these players, yeah. um, which makes it, you know, probably easier for those players to slot in a bit quicker. Um, with that sort of background. So I think, yeah, that we might find um, a few more of these kids having an impact. In saying that, we did see a sort of a big drop-off in the Victorian kids having an impact in 2021 just because mm. of the COVID-interrupted mm. 2020. And now we had an, another COVID-interrupted season for them. Yeah. They are, i got to say, yeah, Victorian kids, it looks like are coming from behind the eight ball. But some of the, you know, and a lot of kids were taken from WASA. They've already played league footy. Yeah. Um, so I think those guys probably more likely to have an impact. Yeah, a lot of catch-up to do in terms of match fitness as well. Um, you, you, just, you just worry about some of these guys who might have played, you know, sort of three or four games this, this season um, and, and, and have just been able to or have been sort of asked or have been relied upon to just do their own development. Uh, at, at times, especially during lockdowns, it must be tough. Uh, the Pies, with uh, pick four, they got Dacos, as we've mentioned. What can you tell us about him and, and maybe a little bit about Arlo Draper, who was the consensus slider, uh, who was picked up with pick 45? Yeah, again, start with Nick Dacos, and we're just speaking about COVID-interrupted times and things like that, and um, we don't cover school footy as well in our data, which always leaves a bit of a gap. But, yeah, we've only covered seven games of him uh, previously. Um, but yeah, never fewer than 26 disposals in any of those games, 35 disposals per game across, you know, average in those seven, including 
six clearances, one and a half goals per game. So haven't seen a lot of him statistically, but from those seven games, he's never put in a bad game. He's played nearly, you know, an elite it performance. Feels like seven straight games. Feels like he could be or will be the best player uh, from this draft in five. Yeah, seven and again, I, I just, you know, and for Collingwood supporters out there, again, I wouldn't be rushing to put the expectation on him. He He's very, very good and he could be there round one. But as we've just spoken about, the two years that, the, the gap of those last two years and getting up to match fitness. If he's there round one, um, you know, like best of luck to him because that just means he's come from so far behind to get, mm. you know, you think up to speed. But as, yep. as I said, if he doesn't debut to the second half of the season, you still know you're getting a genuine A-grade footy, footy player no matter yep. when, he, when he makes his debut. Um, we might mention him a little bit later, but um, uh, it's a little bit about Arlo Draper. Yeah. Again, um, one of those players that started in the Sandful under 18s. Um and, yeah, he was number one ranked player at that level um, across the competition. So without being elite for disposals per game was probably the one that stood out to me. So doesn't need a lot of it, but can, yeah, kick goals when he goes forward, can sort of, um, you know, set up goals from, you know, playing off a wing or through the midfield and has played down back as well. Um, yeah, sort of a big, good contested ball winner when he needs to be seven clearances per game at that level as well. So, again, yeah, a very big slide. Oh, yeah. Thought he would go close to top 25, if not top 30. Mm. Um, and, he, you know, drifted all the way out to outside 40. So they've done well, Collingwood, picking up him. There you go. Uh, the Bombers, with pick 13, picked up Ben Hobbs. What can you tell us about Ben? Yeah, as I said, genuine midfielder. As I said, this draft, we had, you know, Sam Darcy come in late, Mac Andrew, um, and a fair few other sort of uh, key position or um, specified specialist position players. But, yeah, Ben Hobbs is your just inside midfielder, feed-out player, um, sort of, yeah, good inside ball winner, 22 disposals per game across, you know, the two or three years that we've covered of him. Um, and, yeah, I think he'll be he'll complement, you know, their their midfield with Dylan Shield, McGrath, Zach Merritt. We know those guys can get out, get it on the outside. I think mm. Hobbs will develop into their inside player and will be their sort of their first possession winner at the stoppages in a few years to come. Yeah, Dory expects him to be just about the the most ready of all the all the draftees to go round one. He thinks he's he's he could certainly be in the team round yeah, one. And again, and you know, I'm I'm I read a lot of the fandom drafts too, and a lot of my knowledge comes from those those fandom drafts that we're talking about. So it wasn't a surprise to see where he go where he went, but then going back and looking through it, I mean, we talk about we'll talk about Finn Callahan soon, who's a very good player, but his output's been, you know, better than Finn Callahan for a couple of years mm. now. So he's he's just, as I said, just a genuine ball winning. Yeah, sounds like they got a good one. There you go. Uh, the Dockers, as we as we mentioned before, had a, had a pretty good draft. Jai Amos was their first pick. What can you tell us about Jai? Yeah, um, again, you know, they've called him a dead eye dick, and he is. He's just that key forward. He, he um, takes the irony that his name's a miss. And, yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, it, yeah, it's sort of um, the opposite of his surname. But yeah, again, he's had a couple of uh, you know. Games where he's had seven seven scores for seven disposals and nine scores for nine disposals and things like that. So he doesn't do a lot outside those kicking of goals. But again, when we talk about Freo and what they're looking for in key forwards, um, you know, it's, again, fills a specific need on their list. There you go. Uh, moving down, we talked about the Cats and, and the way that they approached the draft. Toby Conway was their first selection at 24. Mitch Nevitt was at 25. Uh, what can you tell us about Toby? Yeah, again, just um, probably the... Well, again, Mac Andrews played, you know, a fair bit of ruck and utility and things like that. But I think Conway is the first genuine ruckman that was, you know, or sorry, the best genuine ruckman from this draft. Um, so, again, probably surprised that he was the only one and he's gone so high. 
um, because you know maybe he might have been there with Geelong's you know next pick. At, I mean the next pick was twenty five. They had thirty two. They've had thirty two and forty eight. So, but again, I think there was a few clubs that liked him because there wasn't many clear just um, genuine ruckmen in the draft, and yeah. that's what Geelong have got, and that's what they've sort of been spent looking for in the last few off seasons trying to trade one in. Well, yeah, it was Geelong's ruck stocks have have been a, a quite a, a serious talking point uh, down the highway for for many many years. And we know that the way that they're going to approach 2022 is with some more veteran ruck presence that they traded in. So having someone like Conway on the book so they can mm. develop over this year uh, and perhaps get ready for 2023 or 2024, I think uh, was a pretty shrewd selection. Um, we mentioned Mac Andrew before. Oh, sorry, before we move on, Christian. I was going to say, and just Mitch Nevin. I mean, he was only one pick behind. Um, yeah, again, just sort of, uh, you know, a dual-skilled sort of player. He was ranked eighth for ground ball, gets in the NAB League, so he can win it off ground level and 1.1 contested marks per game. Um, so when he, he sort of, you know, can take it in the air as well. So he's sort of that, yeah, utility player that, yeah, Geelong should be able to find um, a spot for at either end almost. Uh, you mentioned Mac Andrew being that sort of ruck forward hybrid uh, potentially coming in. He was taking a pick five by the Suns. Uh, we got like a comparison of who he could play like because uh, there's some pretty big reps on him. Yeah, again, he's uh, he was one that, you know, coming in, I think, after the 2019 or 2020 into the 2020 season, there was already big raps on him. So, again, looking at his most comparable rucks, they're probably the more mobile ruckmen that come top two, Tim English and Reece Stanley. Um, and, again, because he's not just, um, you know, we talked about Conway and I think his main ruckmen were Peter Adams and Riley O'Brien um, and the more, you know, sort of big bullet and get ruckmen. Yeah, whereas Mac Andrew, again, Tim English and Reece Stanley, sort of players that can get around. Uh, even Maywell Choll, who's his, is another one of his most liked players, who's going to be joining at the Gold Coast. They're the same sort of players there. They're ruckmen, but you can see them being sort of agility. Uh, sorry, their agility will help them play forward for half an hour. Or you oh, know, I was going to say, do we play key defense to... when you need them to because they're not just your, your lumbering ruckmen. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, do we expect he'll play, spend more time uh, as a forward, or or he will? kind of go into the ruck to start again well yeah gold coast was so devoid of ruckman last year so you can guarantee if he was there this year he would have been yeah. playing in the ruck um but you're right they've, they're probably looking for another another key forward to sort of develop next to ben king um and mm. he could be yeah, one of the options uh the giants not to throw you under the bus christian but i'd like to talk about their second selection as well as their first selection at pick three finn callahan um talk to us a bit about finn but also lekalier who was taken at 15 who something was a bit of a bolter to be taken that early yeah again um i know uh as you said chris dory was a big fan of lekalier all i can say is i'll i'll definitely um you know, I don't know if you can even put. I'm not allowed to bet on footy, but I would suggest getting. <laughs> he'll, he'll take mark. He'll take mark of the year within the next. I'll give him three years at least before he's at least got his first mark of the year trophy under his belt. He is uh, phenomenal to watch in the air. Goes for everything. <laughs> broke the record with a vertical jump. But again, yeah, sort of um, 20 year old playing in the sample this year. Not a lot of you know under 16s, under 18 sort of development footy. Um, so it's come to the game late, but just a clear sort of you know he he. he you know, he can kick and handball and run and all that, but the clear number one trade is above his head and he he definitely goes for it and mm. um, can make an impact, yeah. Um, Callahan as well at pick three, a pretty easy selection for the Giants, really considering what his output is and, and what he can bring to that midfield. Yeah, again, just uh, got better as the season project, pro- progressed, as I said, even though NAB League was shorter. There's a lot of the players that sort of started the season off rounds and two, one uh, rounds one and two quite slowly, but I think he had, yeah, 30 disposals in each of his last four um 
NAB League appearances. So again, his his similar players are quite interesting. So it starts off with Zach Merritt um, and Seb Ross as his as his top two, but Jai Simkin and Caleb Sarong are the next two. So he's got that little bit of flair on the out. You know, Zach Merritt can get you five hundred meters gain to game. Um, and I've I've been a big fan of what Simkin can do because he's both he can win you that hard ball on the inside and sort of set you up. Very underrated player, Jai Simkin. Yeah, which again is is I think what Finn Callahan's going to do. He's he's not just an inside player. He's not just an outside player. He can mix the game between the two and sort of um, yeah with with Josh Kelly, um, you know, and Lockie Whitfield and that. He's just he's another complimentary one where he doesn't have to play 100 percent of his time in the midfield to have an impact. You could you could throw him forward for a while and you know mm. back there too. There you go. Uh, the 25th Josh selected in the draft was uh, Hawthorne picked up Josh Ward with pick seven. You talk about midfielders that can kind of win their own ball and then have a bit of skill on the outside to, to, to you know, finish off that last kick inside 50. Ward seems like that kind of player. Do you have any similar players in mind for, for Hawthorne's first pick? Yeah, so again, as I said, um, the 2K time trial, um, I think he had, uh, I think his was done on Stravia, so sort of away from it, but I think he had one of the fastest sort of times of the guys had to do it himself, but yeah, I think Jake will like his uh, number one uh, most like player, Took Miller. And I sort of, I can see it a lot when I watch it as well. And again, these are some good, you know, again, a lot of the similar names sort of, again, if you've only played eight or nine games, some of these similar players don't quite match up to what the eye mm. might see. Uh, but he's come up as Took Miller, Rory Laird and Andrew McGrath are his first three. And I think that's what he is. He's just... He's it's funny because those kind of players, players, I wouldn't necessarily say those three are similar. No, but there's elements of, of yeah, there's, yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. They're all they've all very very busy. You know, they're all yeah. you know very good tacklers, but very very hard good working as well. And yeah. yeah, just that hard working sort of. Um, and as I said, just pairing him with Connor McDonald, I can see them being um, a pretty formidable midfield duo uh, for five ten years to come. Just like mm. you know, Tom Mitchell and um, O'Meara can almost hand the baton to these two um, in coming years. Uh, the Premiers, Melbourne, took Jacob Van Ruyen with their first pick at 19. Uh, big key position player who can take a bit of a grab. What do we kind of see he, him? Does he walk into the side after the flag? <laughs> well, we, <laughs> Somehow we, I think he'll be in the development wings for a bit. Yeah, well, we talk about um, Jaya Miss who went to Frio. And, yeah, uh, this guy, I think, scored more goals than him um, in the Waffle Colts across the year. Um, yeah, just a big contested mark. And, again, just a perfect pick for uh, the Premiers, as you yeah. said, because he's, he's probably not going to be ready to go in – uh, 2022, he's probably been one of those kids that's always been bigger than everyone else on the field and dominated the air. So he's going to, um, you know, find the step up to AFL a bit different to what he's had at Waffle Colts. But yeah, I, I like this pick for Melbourne again. Their their key forward stocks, um, you know, are probably their one of their thinnest areas of the ground. Um, you know, looking at how good their midfield is and you know where their defence is at and the age profile of the defence. So yeah, a very safe sort of pickup for Melbourne in terms of this guy. He's going to be and, really and looking forward, but looking ahead, as you say, looking ahead three years. Yeah, and they're the sort of selections you want to do if you're a successful team and you think you've got the blueprint right to, to contend again for the next two or three years. You can kind of, and I don't want to say take a punt because you know at 19 he's going to be a decent enough player. You would. Well, think. you are taking a punt. You but are. Yeah, you, you can kind of you can have that sort of speculative go at a key position yeah. player who might be coming good when they're 23, 24, yeah. like a lot of these guys do. So because you know you're not necessarily going to be using him next year. Um, you you know you just won the flag. Your your team's pretty well settled, but. If he turns out to be an A-grade player in two, three, four years' time, it's a huge bonus. Hmm. It's, it's kind of like 
almost like you're future proofing before a rebuild needs to happen because yeah, they're exactly. the kind of pillars that you try and get when you're undertaking a rebuild, but you don't get the fruits for that sort of labor in, until three or four years down the track, as you say, Jake. So um, shrewd selecting by the deeds, we think. North, obviously, Jason Horn Francis was taken at pick number one. Um, well, actually, given he's from South Australia, it's probably Jason Horn Francis. My apologies. Uh, what do we sort of think of him? And, and I know that we've spoken or we've, we've heard a lot and read a lot about him, but what can he bring to North straight away? I think, yeah, you, you put him straight in the midfield and he gives you exactly what he sort of produced at the sample. And again, he's, he played 20 senior games this year, um, made his sample debut at 16 like last year, two years ago. So, um, again, there's, got there's no sort of, yeah, so there's no sort of surprise, as I was about to say, there's no sort of surprises with him. He's very good at um, extracting the ball out of a stoppage, can hit the scoreboard. Um, he's been above average for intercept possession, so he, he can work behind the play as well. But he's, he is, he's one of those, he's just, such a smart footballer that he, he, you know, the type of player he'll kick a goal when a goal just needs to be kicked, but then you'll also be, you know, I don't want to, I've used this name before, um, but Luke Hodge sort of, you know, would always just pop up and get an intercept mark when an intercept mark needed to be taken or a clearance needed to be won. He's the one that can do it. So, um, yeah, he's interesting players. Again, one of them um, that caught my eye is someone that, yeah, he's going to develop next to is uh, Taron Thomas. Um, he's sort of, yeah, he's, uh, I think he was his third most player. I'm just getting him. Now, so yeah, Dane Zorko first, Sam Palpepper second, and Taron Thomas third, with even Patrick Dangerfield fourth. So you can see that sort of those first type players. Yeah, um, first players. As I said, Zorko, the number one. You think of Zorko, he's, you know, he's been one of those players that not many players average at 25 disposals and five tackles and a goal per game. So he does yep. it sort of all three areas. And that's exactly what Jason Horn Francis does as well. Uh, the Power picked up Josh Sin, another Josh, with their first pick at 12. Uh, what can you tell us about Josh? Yeah, so he's not, I mean, he's got a little bit of speed to him. He's not overly fast, but he's just a definite sort of line breaker in terms of, you know, you can play him off half back and you probably get, um, you know, a good sort of long kick and 30, 40 metre player. So again, he's comparable players, Zach Williams, Mitch Robinson, Dane Zorko comes up again. So when he can go into the midfield, um, as I said, he's played sort of both ends of the field. So did he sort of fall down draft boards a little bit this year? Felt like he might yeah, have been yeah. a little higher. Yeah, so I think he got um, yeah, a knee injury early in the season. But, yeah, he was, again, one of those ones that after the 16 champs was talking about a top five draft pick. So mm. he's, been, he's been, you know, um, in the system and highly rated in the system for quite a while. So they've taken yeah, a, a pretty good footballer there. And, again, someone that might not be um, a genuine midfielder but is going to complement Port well because they can throw him on a flank and, um, yeah, using probably – half forward or half back. The Tigers had one of their first top 10 selections for many, many years. Uh, another Josh, would you believe it, Jake? Josh Gibkiss. It's unbelievable. Nine. <laughs> um, uh, looking for sort of replacements for a couple of key defenders or, or, or intercepting defenders that have, have retired. Is that what he's going to produce down at Tigerland? Yeah. Again, he was one of my, personally, one of my favorite players coming in the draft just because you knew exactly what you were going to get with him. Um and the two, yeah, two comparable players, Tom Dodie and Jake Lever. Um, and Jake, he, he reminds me of Jake Lever as a junior as well, because you saw Jake Lever, he just went, he can control a back line. Like from the first time you saw him play down back. Uh, so, yeah, an intercept marker, good one on one defender as well, um, and exactly what Richmond needed. So, yeah, he, he ticks all the boxes. Yeah, and from all accounts, their second pick, too, Tom Brown, more of a dashing, but a defender again. Like, again, the Tigers kind of drafted what they needed to suit them. and, and Well, Asprey pretty well. and Hooley went out, and it looks like they've kind of brought in two players that play quite similar. Yeah, yeah. they replaced them straight away with their, yeah, their first two picks. 
there you go. Uh, the Saints, Naziah, Wanganin, Miller, a couple of interesting and familiar names to those who are uh, a bit older, perhaps. What can he bring to the Saints uh, and what can we expect to see from him straight up? Yeah, so um, I'm more of a wingman. He's played a little bit of general defence as well um, in the sample. He played sample reserve, so sort of league, you know, senior footy, but not quite at league level. Uh, yeah, but his most comparable player, so coming off a wing, Hugh McCluggage, Sam Menegola come up high for him. Um, and another one is Jack Billings, who, again, is going to sort of be mm. playing at the club with. So, uh, yeah, another one that it's sort of an outside um, ball user that would be yeah, a, sort of a complimentary player. And you think of the Saints midfield, Steele, um, maybe Zach Jones is a bit inside. Jai Bytel, if he comes along, he's a bit more inside as well. So, again, um, a specific need in, in the midfield for St Kilda um, answered there. Fair enough. Uh, Sydney, they had a couple of interesting picks, including they decided to go for uh, brother of Chad. They got Corey Warner. Mm. We won't speak about him, but I just thought it was interesting that the Warner brothers uh, are now moving to Sydney, which is Warner brothers. I've definitely stolen that joke. So for the 20 people on Twitter who have already made it, my apologies. Um, they, they, from all reports, they're, they're quite different players, um, uh, the Warner brothers. But uh, yes, Back to you, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, pick 18, uh, they took Angus Sheldrick. Uh, Chris Dory reckons that he was one of the, the draft's most competitive players and, and would just crack in at any opportunity. So looks like they've got themselves someone who really aligns with that Bloods culture and that real crack in and, and get to work kind of mentality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Second in the Waffle Colts for contested possessions and clearances per game. Um, and again, yeah, probably seen as a bit of a bolter. But again, I think I read it through Chris, Chris Dory as well, that Geelong were ready to pounce with pick 24 or 25. So Sydney, um, you know, not many people expecting to go first round, but Sydney sort of stepped in front of that club to... to bit, of of a, bit of a Josh Kennedy sort of oh, I was about to say Josh Kennedy. Um, you know, Luke Parker's a bit inside as well. And we've seen what they did. Again, we talk about, you know, bringing him into the group that they've already got. Errol Goulden and Campbell, your two picks last year. Goulden's a good sort of mid-forward. Gets ahead of the play. Campbell's a beautiful user of the ball. Um, yeah, this guy will just be yeah, your first in, first in and under player. And I, I like their second picks as well. Pick as well, Matty Roberts from mm. Sample, Jason Horn Francis's teammate. Again, you know, talk about the Victorian kids and not getting a lot of footy. We've covered forty nine games of Roberts, um, averaging ninety eight ranking points, twenty one disposals, you know, across three years of footy. So, um, someone that probably didn't come up high in all the athletical testing for for. Um, at draft combine or anything like that, but just a genuine football, football who again has just produced every game he plays. He usually does something. I tell you what, they're, they're putting together a nice, nice team, the Swans. Yeah. And oh. again, I think Jordan Dawson was a big loss. And I just look at, I don't think Matthew Roberts is the same player as Jordan Dawson, but I'm like, it's just, it's the same pickup. It's just a, mm. a genuine footballer that you've seen play well for, you know, two or three years. Um, and you can find a spot for him because he just knows how to play footy. Their, their fourth pick was uh, Lachlan Rankin, and I had to do a double take when I saw that with the Sydney logo. It looked just looked like Lance Franklin when I when it popped up on the screen. <laughs> uh, very funny from you. Uh, I was going to say, we were talking to Chris Dory earlier this week when we did the preview pod, and something that, that stood out to me that he said was that um, while the top-end talent at this draft was, was extremely good and, and you were guaranteed a really good player with every pick in the top 10, between then and sort of say, you know, 45, you could almost throw a blanket over a pretty decent crop of young kids. And, and that yeah. kind of seems like the way that this draft has panned out. And you're talking about someone like Matthew Roberts, who's taken a pick 34, uh, you know, just being being a quality pickup and, and a really, you know, just a footballer's footballer. You can kind of sort of see that, that the clubs have definitely gotten the value out of these second and third round picks. And Yeah, and, and this and is why there well. probably wasn't much point or value in 
in trying to in trying to improve your draft position if you're in that sort of second round how much how much benefit was there to move from 35 to to sort of 23 uh and that's why yeah i think you you can he as he said there's probably 35 players that are quite similar in ability and ceiling um and we'll have to wait and see and there's going to be players as we know five six years time we're going to re-rank this draft and say gee pick such and such really should have gone in the top 10 but Mm. um that's the beauty of it and the interesting thing as well is you look at years gone by when you know obviously lists of list profile has changed a little bit due to covid and all that sort of stuff but there are only 65 selections made this season Mm. uh you know you can you go back to to some years where you know pick stuff in the 80s and 90s have been taken so uh, you didn't, didn't Carlton get we, we got pick 150 or something for Reese Palmer? I pick 105. Yeah, I think you're right. It was definitely a pick something in the hundreds. Stupid like that. <laughs> yeah. There've been some been some odd ones. Or like the picks that um Hawthorne got for Jordan Lewis or or Sam Mitchell, and yeah. they didn't end up using them no, and stuff like that. So crazy. Uh, yeah, it looks like clubs are obviously prioritizing just getting the, the players that they want through the door and, and then working out things a bit later with the rookie draft and, and other bits and pieces and whatnot. Uh, two clubs left. Uh, West Coast Eagles, like we said, they they did some some West Australian recruiting as well in the back end of their draft. But their first draft pick at pick fourteen, Campbell Chesser, is not from WA. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, Sand- Sandringham Dragons uh, boy. Yeah, speed. That's what he's going to bring mainly to West Coast, breaking the lines. But uh, again, not not a huge ball winner. Um, you know, three NAB League games, eighteen disposals per game. Um, 17 disposals per game under 16 champs, sort of nine disposals per game as an underager at NAB League. So he's not going to be, um, yeah, getting the ball 20 or 30 times. Was he uh, a surprise to go where he went? Because he's not a name that I was too familiar with. Um, yeah, yeah, I was in the top 15. Yeah, I was similar. I know, again, I know he was, um, again, playing at the 16 champs for Vic Metro. I know that he was sort of, you know, on the radar early two years ago. Um, but yeah, it was so hard to get a handle on the Victorian kids this year. Because um, I hadn't played a lot of footy, but yeah, his name wasn't in a lot of fan address. As I said, only three games this year, really, of uh, NAB League. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe a, sort of a bit of a bolter. But again, you can see why what you know the strength that he brings to West Coast is the speed and his outside run. Mm, and, and you mentioned in the in the prepod, I think Greg Clark as well as that mature age pickup for the Eagles, um, just a, a, a really solid pick for someone who's who's um, waited a long time to get a crack at AFL level. Yeah, twenty uh, four year old. Um, you know, I think. 70, 80 odd um, games of waffle under his belt for Subiaco, who are, you know, one of the most successful clubs uh, in the country. And I like, yeah, another pick at 57, Jack Williams, um, 17 year old. So still yet to turn 18, 195 centimetre key forward. Just again, similar to what we're talking about, Melbourne with their pick of uh, Jacob Van Ruin. It's just put this guy on the, you know, put this guy in the waffle for a couple of years, let him develop, let him learn off Josh Kennedy, Jack Darling, Oscar Allen, even. Um, but I think, yeah, pick 57. I think they could have still found a player in, in Jack Williams for a couple of years' time. It's not you, your risk level is quite low when you're taking a, a key position player at 17 year old as well. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. what I mean. And, and you know, measurements here: 195 centimeters, 94 kilos. So he's not a he's not a thin wire 17 year old sort of. Coach. He's he's already got the body. So uh, yeah, just, yeah, could have been a shrewd pickup by them late. Very good. And the dogs round things out. Uh, runners up last year had picked two. Uh, courtesy of a father son, and, and they were able so to they've, match. they've had pick one, got to a grand final, and now <laughs> it picked two. Surely that's never happened in the history of in, in 12 months. They've had pick one, pick two, and made a grand final. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. We'll have to maybe ask this one thing on Twitter, Jake, see if you get a response. Yeah. Uh, the dogs, so pick two, Sam Darcy. We know what he's going to bring. Uh, key position, rough prospect that, that looks like he's going to make it at the level. Um, he's 205 centimeters. 
Christian, tell us a little bit more about who he plays like and then maybe just a word on, on their second selection, Arthur Jones, who we might not know too much about. Yeah, again, with Darcy, just limited data. He wasn't um, wasn't in a lot of the under-16s and playing a lot of footy as an underage, a 17-year-old, a lot of rep footy. So, again, only seven games covered of him, same number as Nick Dacos. But been playing, his main impact so far besides some of the trial games was as a key defender and he's most like player is Noel Bolter at the moment because he was his and that's what he is he's 205 centimeters you know so everyone's just going to plug him in as probably ruck but he's not he he moves around the ground well he's quite athletic and the games that he has played he's most of the impact he's had is either kicking mm. six goals in one of his final trial matches or taking five intercept marks earlier in the season in that league so um yeah it'd be interesting to see how they do develop because obviously the size 205 centimeters you've, you've got to play some ruck um but he's not just yeah a boring, genuine old Ruckman. I think people knew that he was talented, but I reckon 12 months ago, not many people would have expected him to go pick two in the draft. Yeah, correct. I think he, he might have been in similar to, you know, someone like Jackson Archer, Archer, who went sort of late to North Melbourne, who could have been a, a, a rookie pick. So I'm sure West uh, Bulldogs would have been keeping an eye on him, but not thinking too much about, oh, geez, he's going to, you know, cost us um, a few draft points here. But yeah, he just kept getting better and better every game that he played. Off the top of your heads, are there many players in the league that will be commentated on by their their dad? I think there was a oh a player at Adelaide, um, the radio station in Adelaide. It, it, yeah, James Rowe. Um, yeah, Jimmy Rowe's yeah. father. Jimmy Rowe. Stephen Rowe. Stephen Rowe. Yeah. That's right. Stephen Rowe. He's one. Um, but Luke and Sam, they they'll probably overlap at some point in twenty twenty two. Any others off the top of your head in, in in recent years? I think it's the only thing rare. I could think I've just thought of then was um Jess Fox in the yeah the, um, in the Olympics in the Olympics yeah. Having can't the old man a, have to the, commentate in his nerves. Can't think of what his name is. Yeah, Mr. Fox. Fantastic. Mr. Fox. Mr. Fox. <laughs> Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not sure there's many in the... Um, obviously, uh, James Brayshaw and and um, yes, and the Brayshaw boys, but they're they're not they're not uh, they're his nephews, I believe. Yeah, you'd be testing me on that one, so I'm back. Um, I'll back in. But yeah, I don't think there's any other father son commentary duos. There you go. Eddie's, oh. Eddie's boys aren't in the AFL. <laughs> Before we get too sidetracked, uh, I was going to go through all the bolters and sliders and who the surprises were, uh, but we've mentioned most of them. Christian, any others that, that, that leap out before we wrap things up for today's pod? Uh, so yeah, I think Arlo Draper for me. And yeah, as I said, um, West Coast, yeah. Um, Jack Williams later in the draft. Um, yeah, and I said probably, yeah, the biggest bolter was to me it was um, Angus Sheldrick from Sydney. But again, hearing about that they thought other clubs were going to take him, maybe they've just done well to sort of get the player that they want. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, thanks for breaking it down with us. Uh, good to have you on the podcast again after uh, a few weeks off. Um, this will be, I think, the last one until after Christmas, Jake. Uh, and then we might have some podcast episodes coming in the early new year, but we'll explain Something- a little bit more about that. In yep, coming some exciting stuff, but um, yeah. yeah, I think we're we're officially done for another year. Yeah, it's pat yourselves on the back. We'll go out for a beer soon. Now that we can, and uh, we we'll have to get you down, Christian. Get you. We'll get we'll get a few beers and a, and a pub meal in you. Um, thanks, guys, for joining me. Uh, another episode, and to everyone at home, we'll speak to you in the next one, whenever that may be. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.